Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Thursday edition of the program live and underway here on the Big X. Glad to have you with us today. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's get right to it. Uh, Big news. uh, The Big Ten has announced, we were just talking about this yesterday, pondering about when it might be official, but the Big Ten has announced its uh, really historic media rights deal with CBS, Fox, NBC, and NBC Peacock, and uh, this is for a ton of money, a historic agreement when it comes to college sports and television rights, and so we'll talk more about that today. But obviously the Big Ten uh, has taken a big step forward as a super conference uh, in its race to match and best the SEC, the other front runner right now in the race to become mega conferences with this uh, huge coast-to-coast uh, national network dominated package and uh, a big step forward by the Big Ten. You have to wonder getting a deal like this done, what does it mean for Notre Dame? Uh, will this spur them to uh, come off of the independent route uh, sooner rather than later? So I think that's going to be something to watch here in the coming months. But uh, that's the big news today. Plenty to get to. Here on this Thursday program, we are a day away from the start of the high school football season, the big Charlestown-Silver Creek game on Friday night. That is the uh, the big one here locally, so excited to see that. And just really excited to see how all of our teams do in the area. There's a lot of new faces, whether it be players that were JV or varsity role players a year ago that are going to have to step up for some of our local teams. And it just seems to me like there's a number of new transfers into the area, not like from one school to another, but from out of the area into some of these schools. New Albany has some. Jeff has a number of new faces coming in as transfers as well. So a lot to figure out. In week one of high school football, I always think that outside of the the, the the tournament, the sectional postseason, that the first few weeks of the football season are the most interesting because you kind of see who's who and who's got what and maybe from there figure out who uh, can make a run or best make a run here from the area as far as uh, conferences and postseason success goes. Let's look at the show lineup for today. A service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got our news and notes from today. We'll start with the Big Ten uh, media right still here in just a few moments. Also, uh, some high school baseball coaching news. We've had a lot of coaching changes here in the offseason, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Also, later today, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall with me. Uh, he's going to join us for a full conversation, a full update on IU basketball here in the offseason. We've got some things with the current roster to get to. Uh, we've got some things with recruiting to take a look at as well. 
So Alex will be with us later in the hour as we talk IU hoops today. And then later in the show, just kind of a week one preview, some thoughts on some of the games. We'll run through the schedule and get you set up for the Friday Night Lights week one here in Clark and Floyd Counties. That's the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Thornton's text line is open. That number, hopefully you have it saved if you're a regular listener 502-414-1450 again 502-414-1450 it's summer cash bash at thornton's each week one lucky refreshing rewards member will win ten thousand dollars all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 chevy tahoe simply open your refreshing rewards app and click on the summer cash bash icon to enter and that's not all you can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like mountain dew 20 ounce bottles hot dogs bud light 12 packs large doritos and many more using your refreshing rewards card it's Thornton Summer Cash Bash, not a refreshing rewards member. Text rewards to 80313. That's rewards to 80313 today. Uh, reminder our high school football program, our uh, media day show, was Monday night at the Jeffersonville FOP Lodge. They were great hosts. We had all eight coaches out, a lot of the top players in the area. I've had a number of questions. Hey, we missed that. We want to go back and listen to that. How can we find it? If you listen to our podcast or you have our podcast stream on your phone or computer, you can find it there. All you got to do is search anywhere you listen to podcasts for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You can click subscribe. You'll see all of our shows each day pop up there in the early afternoon. And also, if you scroll down just a little bit to Monday, you'll find the uh, not only our Monday show, but you'll find the high school uh, football media day program uh, from Monday as well. So you can go back and listen to that. I know it's had a lot of listens already, uh, but it's always a fun program to get you ready for the season. And it is in our podcast stream if you want to go back and check it out. Let's look at uh, some headlines today. It's already August 18th. We are headed very quickly to college football. Week zero games coming up very, very soon. And, of course, week one games, which will pit Indiana and Illinois against each other. Not far off either. But exciting to think that we are almost in the college sports season. High school stuff got underway uh, for the most part this week and, of course, Friday night with high school football. Uh, colleges don't start yet as far as sports goes for a few more weeks, but exciting to know that that stuff is almost back. And the great thing is, I always say this, I know when, when you get into the fall stuff and football, it, it's not long. It's We're into basketball and it's the winter. I hate the winter, but I love basketball and uh, it's kind of a countdown once football begins. And it's a good countdown because college football is a great thing. So it's coming up very soon, but with that, um, the Big Ten announces uh, – uh, earlier this morning, uh, what could be classified as a historic media rights deal, CBS, Fox, NBC, and NBC Peacock, a seven-year media rights deal. And it is believed to be worth more than $7 billion, with a B, $7 billion. 
dollars. And that to me is absolutely amazing. But obviously CBS, Fox, NBC, uh, they all have some other uh, stations on their platform as well. Uh, NBC Universal's Peacock, which is a streaming operation, which has had a lot more sports on it. Of course, uh, the Big Ten Network, FS1, which falls under Fox. The Big Ten Network is, I think, owned 60% by Fox, uh, will be big partners in this uh, new Big Ten media, uh, television media platform. But Big Ten Conference football, when this deal goes into effect, uh, beginning the fall of 2023, so basically a year from now, Big Ten football is is really going to dominate Saturdays on a lot of the biggest broadcast platforms that are out there from morning to night. You're going to have a Fox noon game. You're going to have a CBS game at 3.30. And then you'll have NBC with a Big Ten game in primetime. And, of course, with the addition of UCLA and USC uh, in August of 2024, uh, that's obviously going to boost that as well. But... A very interesting deal, a huge deal financially and beyond for the conference. And I think with this deal, I think it's safe to say that uh, the Big Ten uh, has has one-upped the SEC. And, uh, of course, their media rights, a lot of it remains with ESPN and some other stations. But a huge deal for the Big Ten. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if uh, there's further expansion. I think it's a matter of time until there is. Uh, Notre Dame is the big question mark still out there. But there are some other schools, especially out west, that could potentially make uh, make sense uh, for the Big Ten footprint as far as uh, where they're expanding and to help with the uh, Western. I don't think they're going to get into divisions. It seems divisions are going away in college conferences, but more Western stops for schools to hit when they make that swing, especially for the Olympic sports. You know, basketball, men's and women's, and football, uh, this, this stuff really isn't too hard to figure out, the travel and so forth. But it's the Olympic sports where there's so many weeknight to weekday events, uh, so many matches and meets and games for some of these sports that this is going to completely change the travel schedule and rotation for uh, so many of these schools. And so that's going to be interesting to see when UCLA and USC enter this package as well. It was neat to see, though, in the agreement, and I don't have it in front of me, but there was mention that more of the Olympic sports will be televised. Obviously, a lot of them are not going to be on the big dogs, the CBS, the Fox, the NBC. Uh, and the Big Ten Network has done a good job getting a lot of that stuff on already. Uh, but this definitely opens up the door for a ton of things with the Big Ten Conference. And it was uh, I knew it would be a lot of money. Uh, I, knew, I knew it was going to be uh, above the millions, but $7 billion. That is just amazing uh, for a seven-year television rights deal. And as we always say, uh, television money, television rights, uh, it absolutely drives the needle and controls college football and college basketball and really college sports as a whole. There is absolutely no question about that. Going to a local perspective now for our next headline today. This, This is interesting. Jeffersonville baseball coach Derek Ellis He announced officially to his team earlier this week that he is going to retire uh, from coaching. He tweeted out yesterday, I have informed my coaching staff and players that it's time for me to step down as the head baseball coach. I absolutely love being your coach. I'm going to miss being with my guys, but it's time. I'm sad it's over, but grateful it happened. God bless Coach D. And he just recently completed his 10th season as the uh, Red Devils 
manager. And of course, when I think of Jeff baseball in so many ways, you've got the Ellis boys, Coach Coach Ellis's sons, that were all great players. And of course, we still talk about Drew at least on a weekly basis here because he's had some major league opportunities. He's back in the Mariners organization now, playing with their AAA affiliate in uh, Seattle and Tacoma out in Washington. And uh, but also thinking back even. Years ago, uh, Coach Ellis was the manager of the Jeff GRC Little League team that won state and regional championships, the Great Lakes region. And, of course, they had a chance in the summer of 2008 to play in the Little League World Series. Drew Ellis was uh, a member of that team, and that was a really, really good group from Jeffersonville that had a lot of success. He soon after that got involved as, as a volunteer assistant at Jeff and then just slowly worked his way up and took over the program in 2012. Four sectional championships, which are really hard to do uh, in this 4A sectional that Jeff competes. Uh, He won sectionals in 13, 14, 18, and 19. One regional championship back in 2013. That was one of the first years that we came in and started broadcasting high school baseball that year. The Red Devils that year in that semi-state game, I think it was against Cathedral, so close to getting to the 4A state championship game that year. Also, five straight Hoosier Hills Conference titles. Uh, I think that will be the thing that I remember most about Coach Ellis's time. The Hoosier Hills Conference is so good. You've got Jeff, New Albany, and Floyd, who almost every year are really solid, really good locally. Uh, and then other schools, Columbus East is good at times. Uh, Seymour has been good. Bedford has had some really good teams. Jennings County has come on at times as well. It's a tough conference to have success in. And Coach Ellis was able to lead his team to five straight uh, Hoosier Hills Conference Championships, which is amazing. So uh, congratulations to Coach Ellis on his retirement from coaching. Uh, thank you, Coach Ellis. He was always great to us uh, as we started our coverage of high school baseball. We uh, did a lot of special shows and had a lot of the big games on and always pestering Coach Ellis for stats and interviews and uh, so many other things. He was great to work with. And if you step back from Coach Ellis's announcement this week. Uh, On the baseball side, uh, not only Coach Ellis out, Coach McIntyre at New Albany uh, recently retired from coaching uh, after leading the Bulldogs program for a ton of years. And uh, greater, there just seems to be, even back from baseball, a lot of longtime coaches getting out, whether it's retirement or uh, a number of things, just uh, a lot of changes. And I've, I've mentioned this before, it does seem like we're going through the changing of the guard locally in so many ways when it comes to high school sports and some of the coaches and figures uh, that have always been around this stuff. But Coach Ellis, one of the good ones, and we'll have him on soon if he's available to recap his career and what a successful run he had uh, with the Jeffersonville baseball program. That's a look at our headlines for this Thursday edition of the show. We'll head to a commercial break. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450 is the number. Again, 502-414-1450. Send in your questions on IU Basketball. Uh, For Alex Bozich, he's with us next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Thursday program. Thursday means Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall joins for a conversation on IU basketball. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. If you've got a question or comment on the Hoosiers basketball team for the upcoming season, recruiting, or whatever else you want to talk about, you can send it in. And Alex, I want to start with the uh, historic $7 billion, that is hard to believe, television media rights deal for the Big Ten Conference help us unpack this big announcement that was formalized earlier this morning. Yeah, it's a big deal, obviously, for the Big Ten, something that's been talked about now for for months. Um, CBS, Fox, NBC, and Peacock, which is the NBC streaming service, all involved in the deal. As you mentioned, Matt, the main thing that's important is the money, and that's reportedly over $7 billion over a seven-year period, so... There's going to be a huge uh, financial implications for all the schools involved and for a school like Indiana and the other uh, 13, soon to be 16 Big Ten programs uh, in total. Uh, I've read it's going, to, it's going to be worth upwards of likely uh, $75 million a year paid out uh, each year to each school. So that's uh, a big deal. And obviously, uh, Kevin Warren, uh, the new uh, – <laughs> Excuse me, Matt. New within the last couple of years, Big Ten commissioner. Uh, big deal for him to get this uh, deal secured, and uh, it's the most uh, lucrative deal right now, I believe, in college athletics in terms of a media rights agreement. So, uh, as you mentioned, a historic uh, deal for the Big Ten, and, and one that uh, is going to be important here as they move through the next seven years. And I think it really puts them uh, one one step ahead of all the other leagues. Talking with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. Alex, uh, a couple uh, initial questions that come to mind reading through this this morning. Uh, number one, um, d- does this clearly give the Big Ten an edge, at least right now, over the SEC? I know they have a, a deep, or the SEC does, has a deep relationship with ESPN and that family of networks, and I'm not sure their full broadcasting package, but does this give the Big Ten an edge conference-wide right now on television as far as the national level that they've got here in this deal? Uh, For sure. I mean, the SEC obviously was the leader uh, in terms of a deal, but I think this uh, puts the Big Ten ahead. And I think uh, the important thing to know here is this is only a seven-year deal, so the Big Ten is going to be able to go back and get another deal, I believe, before the SEC is able uh, to get an, uh, re- to renegotiate its deal with, with ESPN. So it does put the Big Ten uh, far far ahead uh, right now. Uh, I would say maybe slightly ahead of the SEC, but uh, a league that's really impacted by something like this is the ACC, which who I believe is signed through 2035. Um you know, and now the Big Ten is going to have this deal in 2023, and then they're going to be able to negotiate again in 2030. Oh, so they're going to be even farther ahead of a league like the ACC, which ACC, to its credit, when they negotiated their deal, they probably thought, you know, 
we'll take the long-term uh, security. Uh, it, it sets us up really well for the, the long-term, but obviously they didn't know exactly where all this, uh, this was going to go from a money perspective and streaming and everything. And it's really, <coughs> excuse me, it's really exploded. And now it's uh, something where they've been left behind and kudos to the big 10 for being pretty shrewd with its, with its deal here. I think they, uh, took the, excuse me, position of let's get the most money possible and, uh, put ourselves up, uh, for bid again in seven years. So I think, yeah, it does put the big 10 ahead of the pack right now. Alex Bozich inside the hall. You can read Alex's work at inside the hall.com and at inside the hall on Twitter. The other question, and this is maybe the case before this deal was announced, but I think when the Big Ten comes knocking, as we think there will be some level of future expansion here over the coming months or years or whatever it may be, uh, a TV deal like this, coast-to-coast teams in the conference, the academic standing that the Big Ten and research standing that the Big Ten has I think all this put together clearly makes uh, uh, when you get a call from the Big Ten, you're not just going to entertain it. You're probably going to uh, accept or commit to it on the spot when and if the Big Ten decides they're ready to add some additional teams. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the the money involved in this probably doesn't reach the level that it did with without the deals with uh, UCLA and USC. That's just the reality of it in terms of the footprint and getting the league a West Coast presence. So, uh, you know, the Big Ten, I think for now, is probably uh, going to stand pat here for the next couple of years. But I think going forward, you're going to see a situation where some of these schools that are in lesser leagues that are kind of locked into these lower-level TV deals, they're going to look at the Big Ten and say, hey, there's an opportunity for us to go get some more money. And definitely uh, when the Big Ten calls, these schools are going to be pit- – Pick it up the phone, and in most cases, they'll be uh, willing to jump and, and make a move to the Big Ten. Yeah, no question about that. The final question that that this brings up when I read through this and, and think about this blockbuster rights deal, you know, Notre Dame, um, independent, they've got their own deal, um, television deal that is right now, but does this help spur their decision or or could it help spur their decision or do you think that it really could be some years until Notre Dame finally maybe decides to enter a conference yeah I think the Notre Dame has a deal coming up soon with NBC so they're probably going to see what they can get and then make a decision from there I think if it's comparable to what they could get in the Big Ten uh, maybe slightly less they're going to stay independent and give themselves that flexibility I think it's something from an institution perspective, that's really important to Notre Dame uh, to stay independent. Now, if it becomes the point where the money is so much different to where uh, it, they're going to be forced into joining the Big Ten. I could see them making the move, but uh, I think this probably gives them some leverage with their next negotiation with NBC to say, hey, you know, this is what you're giving the Big Ten. This is kind of our brand. What can we get? And it, I, I think they're probably going to end up getting something similar or maybe a maybe a little bit less, uh, and that'll probably be enough to keep them independent. Uh, like I said, if it comes down to the point where they are being left behind, uh, I think that's the scenario where uh, you would see them try to make a move potentially and go into a conference at that point. Alex, if there's not going to be any real change, we think, in television money or availability for them, 
what does eventually spur Notre Dame to enter in a conference, whether it be the Big Ten or SEC? Is it um, is it maybe the college football playoff, that structure changing, where possibly it can make it hard for an independent team to secure a spot? Is that maybe what we're, we're waiting on for Notre Dame to make a decision? I think it's one of two things. It's either the money uh, or you know, the eligibility for the playoff. If they can get comparable money to what they would get in the conference and they can still be eligible for the playoff, we know they're going to continue to put together a really good schedule and be able to play uh, Big Ten teams and Pac-12 teams and SEC teams. And, you know, they putting together a schedule for them, ACC teams has never been um, an issue in football. They've always played a really good schedule. So as long as they're still in the ballpark with the money and they're able to get the playoff, I just don't see a, a way that they're going to be pushed or, or forced to, to, to join a league. Yeah, going to be interesting to follow. Huge Big Ten media rights deal confirmed this morning. $7 billion uh, is the value of the whole package with uh, Fox, CBS, uh, NBC as well. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Alex, I, I read from your report um, on uh, non-conference guarantee games. I always find it interesting what some of these teams are receiving to come to Assembly Hall and play. And I mentioned this yesterday on the show, but you did a little research work to find out of the games who's getting paid what. And it's still amazing to me that Moorhead State, uh, 100000 Bethune-Cookman, $105,000 to come to Assembly Hall to be wined and dined, probably to get a butt kicking, but they are going to leave there with legitimate paydays. There's no question about that. And I've always been just amazed at the whole non-conference guarantee situation where some of these schools, including Indiana, they pay big money for you to come on campus and likely get get beat down. Yeah, I included a link to some research that somebody else did. I think Andy Wittry did a couple of years ago on guarantee games and with the average money being paid out, and he had kind of at the at the high major level, the average is ninety thousand. So Indiana paying right around market value, maybe a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting that they're paying on average. I think with something like ninety ninety five thousand for these games. But then you think about what they're getting uh, in these TV deals. You think about the parking. You think about the tickets. You think about the concessions. It's probably a bargain for them to schedule a win like this. Uh, be able to have an opponent come that you know is probably not going to beat you. Uh, you fill out your schedule. Uh, these games are included in season ticket packages, so it's not like people can opt out from buying them. And so it's really a win-win. Indiana gets kind of games and inventory for its schedule, and these smaller schools uh, get a chance to take a big check and in many cases uh, helps really fund their athletic program, their basketball program for the year. I mean, that's one reason why, you know, going back to when Mike Davis was at Texas Southern, I think there was a year where they basically played all their non-conference games away from home, road games, and they played a brutal schedule. It prepared them well uh, for their league. They ended up making the tournament several of those years. And they also cashed these checks for you know 12 or 13 games, and it really funded their athletic program. So they're kind of a necessary evil in college basketball right now. I know a lot of people don't like these games, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be something that continues uh, for the foreseeable future. And I think it's always just interesting to take a look at these contracts and see what Indiana's paying uh, each opponent and how it differs. And they're all pretty similar. Uh, as you notice, Matt, the exhibition games a lot less, I think 30,000 and 15, but for the regular season games, 
I believe they were all between ninety, ninety-five thousand, uh, all the way up to one hundred and five thousand. Uh, for the Bethune Cookman game. Yeah, absolutely. Talking with Alex Bozich of InsideTheHall.com. Alex, another thing I had on the radar for you today is uh, we're here in the middle of August. Uh, the July recruiting uh, evaluation periods have been over now for some time. There have been a number of visits set, and some have already happened. And in the 2023 class, while Indiana got started early with Cups and Newton and had some early commitments there that really helped, they've kind of struck out with a lot of guys that they targeted in the month of July, including some that right after the July periods ended were on campus in Bloomington. So can you give us an update and your feel for things as where Indiana stands with this current group of seniors that are getting ready to enter their last year of high school basketball as far as who's still out there, where Indiana stands, and is this going to be a two- or three-man class, or what do you think on the whole 2023 ordeal? I think it will eventually get up to four or five when you talk about transfer portal and maybe a late addition in the spring, depending on if somebody comes open after a coaching change. But right now, you know, no doubt about it that the Jamie Kaiser decision wasn't favorable for Indiana and going to Maryland, although it wasn't particularly surprising given that he grew up a Maryland fan. Uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith, I think, is a guy that Indiana wanted to have on campus and wanted to get to know and see how it might fit. I just don't think that situation is going to work out, so he's going to probably end up going elsewhere. Xavier Booker was a guy that we talked a lot about, Matt. We didn't know uh, exactly what was going on there. And it tur- as it turns out, Michigan State really did the most work early there, stayed on him the longest, and was able to land the commitment. Cohen Carr, a guy they had on campus at one point, it looked like they were really strong with. They backed off on him. He ends up going to Michigan State. And so really, when you look at it, uh, TJ Power, another guy they really recruited hard for a while, but his recruitment blew up, and he dropped Indiana when he announced his top five. Really, what's left is, Arrington Page, and there's a ton of pressure on Indiana, I feel like, to get him to kind of salvage what's left of this class. He's really the only guy I have on the 2023 board that Indiana is still actively recruiting. Uh, there may be some other guys they're checking in on and kind of seeing what develops, but I think right now it's, at least for the fall, it's Arrington Page or Bust. If they can get him signed three in November, I think they'll be happy with that, and then you move to the spring and see what happens in terms of guys reopening and maybe some transfer portal additions. Yeah, absolutely. The transfer portal, I think, is a reason for fans never to panic because, you know, there's going to be so much movement, so much change in rosters, even after a good season. Uh, Not everybody's happy with their role and playing time, and that's just something I think it's going to take all of us a little while to get used to, especially uh, coaches who are in the middle of all this recruiting stuff. It has just completely, I think, changed uh, the way that high school athletes are recruited. Alex, another thing with recruiting, Uh, Indiana seems to be doing well with some of the really good prospects in our state. The next uh, generation of really good players, maybe you could say, uh, that uh, they've had them on campus. They they seem to be very active with them. And, uh, in fact, uh, Jalen Harrelson uh, from uh, Fishers has been on campus once already, is going to be back. I have seen reports for Hoosier Hysteria, and then is planning to return for the IU-North Carolina midweek game once the uh, the season gets here. And that's big stuff to have an in-state guy of his caliber on campus uh, that many times here, really in a two-and-a-half, three-month span. Yeah, I think with, with Cicely and Harrelson, they've done a lot of work early. Um, they've really established themselves as kind of, I don't want to say leaders, but 
programs that are going to be aggressive with those guys. It makes sense. They're close. They can get them on campus easily. Uh, they can pop into open gyms this fall and get to see them play. I'm sure it's about the high school season. Uh, so I think both of those recruitments are uh, situations where Indiana's done basically all it can to this point. Uh, obviously, I think maybe a little bit more so with Harrelson moving forward than Sisley. I think that's a recruitment that really has a chance to kind of blow up nationally. So I think this early work that Indiana is doing is going to be important, but ultimately it's going to be up to that kid where he wants to go and, and you know, does he want to be recruited by the Dukes and the UNCs and the Kentuckys, or is he a guy that wants to stay close to home and be a part of a program in Indiana that really values getting uh, the best players from in-state? So that uh, is definitely one to watch. But they've done a really good job with, with Sisley and Harrelson. Everything that we've had on our site and from talking to those families, it seems to be very positive stuff, and I think it's encouraging that they're going to get them back on campus this fall again and continue to build those relationships moving forward. Alex, are there any other young names to watch? I always have people ask about in-state players specifically. Uh, those are the two, no question, at the top of the list. But any others that are emerging in these younger classes for this upcoming high school basketball season? Off the top of my head, Matt, um, I could probably go back and do a little research. But off the top of my head, those are obviously the two clear ones. I think um, anytime as a coaching staff, uh, you you offer kids before they ever play a high school game. That shows how serious of a player the kid is and also how serious you are about the, the prospect. But there's a lot of kids, I think, in state that are talented and that Indiana is going to keep, you know, close tabs on throughout the high school season. But off the top of my head, I, you know, those are, to me, the, the clear two in-state uh, prospects worth watching. I think there's going to be, obviously, as time uh, goes on, there's going to be some guys who improve and, get better and could be, you know, in those later classes, uh, worthy of an offer, or, you know, obviously a stronger look. But right now, I think those two are standing head above the shoulders and I, head and shoulders above all. And I don't know that there's anybody that is in state that Indiana's imminent, uh, imminently going to offer or is really looking at uh, stronger. But you know, obviously with 2025 and 2026 being so far away, uh, that will change over the months and years to come. Absolutely. Alex Bozich, Inside the Hall, uh, InsideTheHall.com, at Inside the Hall on Twitter for great coverage of all things IU basketball. Alex, we'll talk with you next Thursday. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Alex Bozich with us Thursdays on the program. We'll head to a commercial break, come back and give a quick week run, week one preview of high school football, the big game, Silver Creek and Charlestown coming up on Thursday on Friday night, week one of high school football, and uh, take you through some of the other games that I think will be interesting uh, for this opening week of high school uh, Friday night lights here in Clark and Floyd counties. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison.
All right, we're back here on this Thursday program final segment. Going to get into some high school football stuff here in just a moment. Somebody did say, uh, Matt, what does this do for IU games on streaming? Uh, will we have to have a subscription to Peacock? I, I looked quickly at the release that came out from the Big Ten. It says Peacock, NBC Universal's direct-to-consumer streaming service, will deliver exclusive Big Ten football and basketball games each season as eight regular season football games will appear on the streaming platform along along with as many as 47 uh, regular season men's basketball games. It says 32 conference and 15 non-conference games, and 30 regular season women's basketball games. So, yes, it does sound very possible that uh, IU basketball specifically, uh, you may want to grab Peacock when that comes around. I know a lot of people probably have that streaming service already, and if you're like me, you hate to add another one, but it does sound like a number of Big Ten games are going to be on the Peacock streaming, uh, which is one of the uh, platforms. And again, it's just the way that the world is going with all this streaming stuff. Uh, obviously, you take the good, the the national NBC network, CBS, Fox, the Big Ten network, which is a cable-type channel, uh, but there is going to be some streaming in this. Uh, so it does sound like that is a possibility. That is a good point. But again, who knows? It's so early uh, to see exactly how it's going to play out. But it, you would think if there is as many as uh, 47 men's basketball games on uh, Peacock streaming, that it's likely Indiana's going to have one or two, uh, perhaps a season on that platform. High school football begins on Friday. Uh, can't wait for the Silver Creek at Charlestown game. Uh, really excited to see uh, if Charlestown can be one of the banner teams in the area. Uh, Coach Hawkins, you could tell in our preview show on Monday, was excited about this group. They had a nice season a year ago with a 7-3 and record, although they lost a couple key graduates, uh, including Keontae Goodwin, who's at Kentucky. And boy, Kentucky football getting some high marks here in the preseason. Uh, I think Charlestown's got a chance to be really good. We're going to find out right out of the gate when they host Silver Creek in the Battle of Highway 403 on Friday. And then the next week, they play at Brownstown Central. So two Mid-Southern Conference games right out of the gate that I think will tell us really all we need to know about this Charlestown team. If they can win those two games, it's very possible that they run the table the rest of the way. I know it's crazy to sit here and talk about an undefeated season because there's two big challenges coming up for uh, Hawks' team, but it is possible. They've got two big ones here in these first two weeks, and then we'll see how it goes from there. So uh, that's the big one on Friday night. But also Clarksville expected to continue its improvement this season. They host uh, Scottsburg on Friday, Floyd Central, a tall task at as they host Louisville Mail on Friday, and that's been a huge challenge game for Floyd Central. Coach Bragg said Monday night it is the last time that game will be played. Uh, is it, the contract is over? Uh, so really, with Floyd Central, to be quite honest, with all that they lost from last year, they open with Mail, then they play at Dupont Manual in Week Two. I think it's going to be early September until I have a feel, we have a feel for Floyd Central and what kind of team they're going to be. They're going to take on some really stiff competition right out of the gate. Uh, the mail game is going to be tough and will likely not be close. I don't know as much about Manual this year, uh, but they're always a challenging team in Louisville. But Silver Creek on September 2, and then their first Hoosier Hills Conference game at Seymour on September 9, that is probably when we find out 
for sure where this Floyd Central team uh, stacks up in local football. Jeff, uh, really going to have to wait for them as well because they are idle on week one. Their week one game at Bell County, Kentucky is not going to happen. Coach Parker has known uh, that was going to be the case now for some time. He's been working, uh, calling all over, looking for a game and just not been able to find one for week one. So the Devils will go from a scrimmage at Whiteland on last Friday to uh, an off Friday, a team event scheduled for Friday, and then they'll play uh, August 26th to close out the the month of August at Seymour in their opening game. And a lot of new faces for Jeff, in addition to some that joined us Monday on our preview show, uh, some of the key returners back for this season. Uh, Coach Parker saying that the Red Devils have a number of transfers that have come in from all different parts. I mean, he was saying from Connecticut and some from Louisville and one from Gary and one from Warren Central in Indianapolis and one from Atlanta, Georgia. And of course, just, you know, crazy people moving into uh, Jeff and Southern Indiana for some of these new jobs at River Ridge and other places. And so uh, there's a lot of different uh, names that we'll have to figure out this year for Jeff, which could be a really good thing for Coach Parker and the Devils. Uh, I've said this earlier in the week. The other game I'm really interested in Friday night is Bloomington South. Uh, playing at New Albany. And uh, New Albany and South hooked up twice last year, once in the regular season in week one, and then once at a regional championship game at New Albany. And Bloomington South is always good. It's going to be a good test for this New Albany team who lost a ton, but still has the potential, I think, to be uh, a quality team here in the area. So can New Albany hang tough? Can they win the game Friday uh, at Burkefield to start the season? And by the way, a sidebar note, Romeo Langford is scheduled to be at the game, according to New Albany High School. And then on Saturday, the court dedication as the doghouse uh, playing court will be named after Romeo Langford in a official ceremony scheduled for noon on Saturday. So that's the opener for New Albany. Providence, uh, Coach McDonald is excited about his team this year. He's excited about their move down to Class 1A Sectional 48, where I think the Pioneers can be a contender most years, and they will open up Friday night as they host Bardstown, Bethlehem from Kentucky. And then uh, just like uh, uh, just like Floyd Central, two Kentucky opponents to start the year for Providence. Bethlehem on Friday and Lloyd Memorial uh, coming to Murphy Stadium the uh, second week of the season as well. So that's a look at the opening week. Glad it's here. Hope we get big crowds. The weather should be great for Friday night. I think Charlestown, Silver Creek will be packed. I think New Albany, Bloomington South will be a nice crowd and encourage you to get out pay the five, six, seven dollars, whatever it is these days to get into a high school football game and support uh, the school of your choice. A lot of excitement to begin the season, a lot of question marks here locally, uh, and we'll see if Charlestown and maybe New Albany can be the top teams here in the area. Uh, as we think on paper, at least it looks right now, but uh, there's a lot of games ahead to be played. That's high school football for week one. As we close out today, Jim Lewis has been a great producer here the last uh, couple months on the program. Uh, not just my show, but so many of the shows here on the Big X. He's also helped with our play-by-play, which has been the summer's a little slower with play-by-play as far as high school sports goes. But uh, this is Jim's last day in the studio. He may still help us with some uh, games and productions from time to time. But Jim, I wanted to say thanks. You stepped in after, of course, a tragic situation for us here with the unexpected pass of Douglas Scott Wolverton and we're great help uh, you're a true radio guy and uh, just wanted to bring you on for a minute and say thanks man well yeah from what I understand I had some uh, 
pretty big shoes to fill, at least uh, <laughs> around this building. But, uh, you know, 25 years, you know, up in Illinois doing this. And, uh, you know, it's kind of old hat. And like I said, it's nice to be back in the studio after almost exactly two years. And, um, yeah, an opportunity present, uh, presented itself with a company that uh, it, it's still in the broadcast industry. It's, uh, you know, making software to help uh, radio stations. You know, there there's a background part that some people don't know about. You know, somebody's got to make sure commercials are scheduled and the right commercials are being scheduled. And, you know, it's it's a business. You still got to, you know, make sure everybody's paying, you know, make sure everything everything is good to go. And But it's a big part of what I did at Illinois and the company uh, – that makes the software that I use. They reached out to me and offered me an opportunity to help set up other radio stations and, you know, provide support and work on projects. And it was something I, I couldn't really turn down. You know, I wasn't looking, but they reached themselves out. So yeah, I'll start uh, on Monday is, uh, and it's work from home position too. So that's, that's pretty nice. All right. Well, again, uh, thanks for your great help. It's been great to have you. And I was looking forward to wearing all my Illinois hats (laughs) next week for Illinois, Wyoming, and then the following week for Illinois, Indiana. Yes, absolutely. We were, we were looking forward to those (laughs) conversations, but uh, we'll stay in touch. And again, thanks. Uh, Job well done and appreciate uh, the insight you gave me as well. So thank you very much. You're welcome. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday edition of the program. We'll be back with you Friday at 11 a.m. We'll have more talk on high school football. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star scheduled to join, as is Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune on IU football and basketball. Until tomorrow, we'll be back at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.